Hi there, and welcome to the Pearls from My Mom podcast. Every mom has special pearls of wisdom she passes on to her kids. In this podcast, we'll be talking about those pearls of wisdom, as well as the life lessons that our moms have passed down to us. We will be sharing to keep the legacy alive. Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Pearls from My Mom podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Hott, and today I'm talking with a very special guest, Mary Rogers of the Experience 50 podcast. She is going to be telling us some of her mom's story and what pearls of wisdom Mary has carried with her since her mom passed away. Welcome, Mary. I'm really looking forward to helping you share your story. Well, thank you very much, Jesse. I'm delighted to be with you and your listeners today. I, I think that mother-daughter relationships are so important that you're doing this podcast is just a phenomenally great idea and service to people who are grieving over their moms. Oh, thank you so much, Mary. And I, I've been admiring your work. So I'm really like honored to have you here. I'm very excited to have you talk about um, your mom. So we're going to jump right into it. I came across your Dear Mom letter on your Experience 50 blog. And I'll let you explain what it is, but just reading it, I can tell, you know, this seemed like it was probably a really therapeutic thing for you to do. So do you want to talk about your, your Dear Mom letter on your blog? Well, sure. What, what I found is, and my mother died when I was 37 years old, and I'm now 54. And so every Mother's Day over that span of time, although I, I was, you know, I should be celebrating my relationship with my children, I found that instead I was kind of mired in feelings of grief because of the loss of my own mother. And I, I, I don't know where I was inspired to do this or, or where I found this idea, but I decided to write my mother a letter a couple of days before one of these Mother's Days. I think it was about five years ago. And I had been told by someone, you know, just write your mom a letter so that you can feel close to her. And so that is what I did. And for some people, when they write a dear mom letter to a mother who has passed, it could be kind of like a family Christmas letter style approach of filling her in on what has transpired since she left, or maybe explain your side of the story of a conflict that the two of you had, or thank her for something, or maybe even just to tell her how much you love her and why. For some, it could be to unload any anger that you are holding onto so that you can let it go. Or you could ask her a question in a letter. You know, think of all those things that you wish you had talked to your mom about and hadn't, and just list what all of those questions may be. Or just recap your relationship with your mother and thank her for those things that she brought into your life. So for me, the reason that I felt the need to do this is that my mother had an extremely complicated life. And I, I am the daughter of a mother who didn't really know how to be a mother. And she is the daughter of a mother who was mentally ill. Mm -hmm. And so it is a miracle that my mom, I mean, my mom had no role model at all on how to be a mom. She grew up in a very famous family. Um, 
playing with Gloria Vanderbilt in her bedroom while the adults were downstairs doing whatever. And um, my mom was just clueless. And the beautiful thing about my mom is that at one point she said to her mother, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to live this jet set lifestyle. This is when she was in her mid twenties. I want to go back to my hometown and find a nice young man and get married and have two daughters. And that's what she did. And she did the best that she could. Um, But it certainly didn't look like many other people's family situation. So I don't, I don't know, Jesse, what your experience is of talking to other people when there's like a complicated mother relationship, if it's more difficult when the moms pass, what's your experience? Well, I think, you know, it's funny because mothers and daughters, you know, everybody has some degree of complicated relationship with their mother. I think nobody has you know, as rosy as my outlook on my mother was at the time that she passed and probably for the 20 years prior to she, when she passed, when I was a teenager, I was an absolute monster to her. Um, I think that most girls go through some phase, you know, there's some, there's, I don't know if it's a power struggle or, but from every woman I've talked to, you know, there's some degree of, of complication with your relationship with your mother at some point in your life. Yeah. Um, it's true. Yeah. And like after reading your letter, I, like, you know, I, I feel like your relationship could be described as complicated as well. Um, I mean, you mentioned that she didn't have a role model for a mother. So, you know, how did that affect her mothering with you? And how did that affect your guys's relationship together? Well, exactly. And, and I think that I, when I was in this relationship and when I was, say, a teenager, like you mentioned, um, I probably needed a lot of parenting and mothering at Mm -hmm. that point in my life. And she didn't know how to do it. You know, she was, she was not, I I think some people deal with, you know, like a nasty mom or an abusive mom. And that certainly wasn't my situation. I was one of my mother described her parenting technique as benign neglect. Ah, <laughs> and she would say that and laugh and take a you know a sip of her drink and a pull off her cigarette and laugh and think that was so funny. That that's that actually is pretty funny. <laughs> but when you're the kid, yeah, it's not so much. It's not so funny anymore. And, and I mean, there were there were like like one of my fond memories now, which at the time was horrifying. So here I have my mother who is extremely sophisticated, the only woman who wore a cape and a French twist, you know, just oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the woman she was. And I can remember at the end that like the closing ceremonies one year for Girl Scouts when I was in maybe fourth grade. And I was so done with Girl Scouts, couldn't wait to not sign up the next year. And my mom was completely uninvolved in my little life. And I was surprised to see that my mom actually showed up for this event. And then I was completely floored when it was announced that the troop leader for the next year would be my mother. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I think she like knew she wasn't doing the mothering thing very well. Sure. And so she decided, well, that's something I could do. 
that would that would look good on paper <laughs> if I was the troop leader. And as soon as I heard that, I think I just slid down my chair, you know, <laughs> under the table, like, does she know you can't smoke and drink at a Girl Scout troop leader <laughs> meeting? <laughs> Did she do it? Did she become a leader? Yeah. I, you know what? And I, I don't know where in my little, you know, 10 or 11 year old body, I figured this out, but I was like, all right, this is her thing. She's never done anything like this before. I will suck it up and get through this. And, and honestly, all of the other kids, all the other girls in my class thought my mother was so elegant and sophisticated and you know they thought she was you know just the most awesome thing in the world so we got through it and it was fine but um yeah it was I just I I didn't have a normal mom and then once she passed away I was able to just kind of piece together all of the little stories I had heard about her, I mean, from her or from people around her, and it explained everything to me of how she had been neglected by her mother, how when she told certain adults that she was going to stand up for themselves, for herself, excuse me, um, they died in one case. Massive heart attack after she told um, someone very important that she was not going to play the role they wanted her to play. Mm-hmm. And so she really didn't know how to stand up for herself out of fear that literally they would die. And so she allowed other people to just trample all over her. And her marriage to my dad was very complicated and became a huge disappointment to her. And she, she turned to the bottle and just became, this would be more in my later teen years, a a really sad 24-7 alcoholic. Oh, that's got to be really hard. It was so hard. And so I lost her to that. And to the point where I really decided to divorce her. She was living in a situation that was um, not good for her and just had strange people surrounding her living in our family home. And I tried to get conservatorship and guardianship and that went very poorly. And so I said, mom, I'm done. I'm, you know, if this is the way you want to live, you know, more power to you. And I made, I was completely changing my life and I was all set to move about 2000 miles away, had a job, had a condo, everything. And then she called and told me she had a terminal health diagnosis Mm. and I dropped everything and I have a very strong sense of family obligation. And so canceled all my plans, moved myself and my son into her home and had hospice come in and spent the next six months taking care of my mom and really getting to know her. And it was the best six months of my life. That's amazing. That's uh, um, like just to interject my story with you. I I was actually 35 when my mom passed away. And so kind of at the same age you were talking about, you said you were 37. And um, yeah, she I live, I live in Canada, actually. 
And my mom, I'm from Colorado. So my mom was Mm -hmm. back in Colorado when she was diagnosed. And, you know, we knew it was a pretty short span of time that we would have. Um, And I, I went and visited quite a bit that, you know, it was eight months basically from the time she was diagnosed to the time she passed away. And I visited as much as I could. And I was there for her, like when she actually passed. But I think that will like go down for me as one of my biggest regrets that I couldn't physically like live and take care and help her in the way that I think, you know, I would have wanted to. So that's really, I'm like, I'm really happy to hear that you got to do that and that it changed your perception of who she was and, and your oh, completely. And if she had been struck down by a heart attack, let's say, you know, unexpectedly, cause she was young. She was only, I think 64 mm-hmm. when she passed away. And if, if I had moved, you know, moved away, cut off communications with her and then gotten the news of say a heart attack, I would look at my entire life so differently than under these circumstances where I was given this gift of being able to spend time with her. And she was humbled by, I guess, my gesture of doing that. When, when she knew <laughs> she'd, been, she'd screwed up pretty bad. Yeah. And so I, you know, cleared out all of the strange people in her life and really made her last six months. It was just an honor for, for anyone who has done it, who has um, taken care of a loved one who is terminal. It's such an, a treat to be able to, you know, make make them whatever wonderful food they want, you know, and make them comfortable. And uh, it was just, it was terrific. And and I did get to know more about her through that experience. I think that's amazing. It's hard, you know, as when we're children, and we're little, you look up to your parents. And you know, even if your relationship's pretty complicated, you still see them as kind of a whole other level of human or something, you know, let it like, not like a super person, but you know, they're, they're the person that gave you life. They're the person that for better or for worse is taking care of you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you don't know all of their little nuances and not secrets, but yeah, some in some cases secrets, but you know, what, what was it about spending those six months? Like, what did you come to realize after, you know, you knew that she was going to be leaving? Like how, how did you choose to spend those six months and taking care of her? And well, I'll, I'll tell you something that was very interesting. And it, for me, it was the beginning of really understanding so much about my mom. And it was that she was holding on to life. She was living longer than the doctors had expected. And when you are working with hospice, that they are such incredible people. And they said, you know, we think maybe there's a reason that she can't let go, that she can't allow herself to die. And in some cases, it's that they're actually feeling pressure from family members to, you know, come on, mom, you can, you know, fight this, fight this. And we were not in that mode at all. We were in let it go, mom, you know, whenever you're ready. And we, part of my mother's history is that she had been raised Catholic. And in fact, she had been sent to live in a convent for most of her childhood. And isn't that a nice little story? 
That's actually, that's, I don't, I don't want to interrupt you. That's funny. Cause my mom was about to be a nun. Like she was going into the convent and oh, really? something happened and she decided not to. So thank goodness. Otherwise I wouldn't be here, but that's right. Too. <laughs> well, this, this was a school. This was a boarding school. My mom wasn't destined to be a nun by any means, but <laughs> her parents had no interest in really raising her mm-hmm. on a daily basis. So they sent her to a, a boarding school, which was part of a convent. I see. And so she was, she had been terribly betrayed by a priest who she had confessed something to. And so she was, she hated the Catholic church, hated the Catholic church. And so hospice was asking me about her religious beliefs. And I said, you know, agnostic, maybe. And they said, well, how was she raised? And I said, Catholic. And I said, we're getting a priest. I'm like, she, no, please do not bring a priest into the house right now, because if you want to piss her off, that's, that would be the way to do it. Well, so they, they did it. <laughs> they asked my mom, would you like to be visited by a priest? And it was that meeting for her that allowed her to pass on. And it was that her fear, the reason she was holding on, the priest explained, was that she was afraid of her mother and father and uncle who had done so much damage to her as a child that they were going to be waiting on the other side and not be happy with her. So she had been holding that in her entire life. And I never would have guessed that in a a million years. And, And the the priest was able to explain to her why that was not going to happen. And she died very soon after that. Oh, that's like, that's heartbreaking that, you know, to think that that would be, you know, a reason for somebody to. Yeah. Hold and- so her entire life had really been driven by this fear, even though they were dead, that she would eventually see them again. So you, you had mentioned to me that you were hoping I could share some good advice to people. I'm grieving. And here's the advice that I give my friends when they lose a parent or a spouse, but especially a parent. And being 54 in my podcast, Experience 50, is about a lot of, well, one thing we talk about is all of these losses that you experience in your 50s. And a lot of people, this is when you lose your parents. And my experience has been that even though my mother has been gone for you know 20 years my relationship with her has continued to evolve over each of those 20 years and what i want people to know is that just because your mom is gone your relationship with her is not over i as i go through experiences every day or milestone events for my own family. I think about my mom. I don't, I mean, I, I, this may sound obsessive, but I don't think a day goes by that. I don't think about my parents and I don't think that's obsessive at all. (laughs) Yeah. I, 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 um, you know, and I wonder what would my mom say about this? You know, what would she advise me, or it could be, oh, now I understand why my mom said that to me as a teenager while I'm dealing with my teenager. Mm -hmm. And so things that I never could have appreciated or understood about her when I was 25, 
I now do. And so I see her a little differently as my life goes on. So I talk to her, but it's not like I say, you know, hey, mom, (laughs) and expect a response of any kind. But I ponder my mother in different situations in my life. And that makes my feelings about her change. And also it makes it gives me a better understanding of her feelings toward me. Wow. And so the relationship has continued to grow for the last 20 years. Oh, that's, that's phenomenal. Like I'm, I'm choked up. And uh, if, if people are listening and if they've listened before, they know I get choked up all the time. So <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm one of those, I cry when I'm happy. I'm cry when I'm sad. I cry, you know, Yeah, when- I do too. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that advice hits me right in the heart. Um, and I, and I, I super connect with that. And I'm so happy that you said that, like you were the same age that around the same age that I was when my mom passed away. And now here you are later on in your life, you know, thriving and doing amazing things. And to know that, you know, your relationship hasn't, I think that's the thing I'm most scared of. And that's kind of why I want to do all of this pearls from my mom stuff is because I mm. don't want to lose that relationship. I don't want to forget that relationship. I, you know, I'm terrified that my kids who are eight and five right now, they're not going to remember. Um, and so I, I want to just keep that legacy alive. And that's kind of why I'm doing all of this. So to hear mm-hmm. say, you know, almost n- not quite 20 years later, but 15 years later yeah. that, that you haven't lost that relationship and that you're still connected with her. I think that's, that's a huge help to me. So thank you for saying oh, that. Sure. Well, and something else that I do is at holidays, I, and, and it's different for every person, but when my sister and I split up, you know, all of my parents' possessions, mm-hmm. I took all of the entertaining wear, you know, so the, the China, the silver, the serving platters, the every kitchen utensil, and food was a big thing in our lives that my dad, um, my dad showed love through food. I, I do that with my family. It's just my thing. Mm -hmm. So for holidays, I, (laughs) I can't people go, man, is she weird, (laughs) but I will use the same wooden spoon my mother used, you know, to serve the scalloped potatoes that I made with her recipe that then go on to China that they picked out. And I set my holiday table very similarly to how they did it and use the same, you know, exact menu up frequently. And they're there. I mean, nobody else knows it. And I don't tell anybody that I'm doing this. People know I'm kind of particular about things, but I my parents are there. My mom is at Thanksgiving dinner because it's her menu. It's her dishes. Um, it's the same time of day that, that she liked to serve. And I find it to be incredibly comforting that I continue those traditions. I think that's phenomenal. I think uh, I love everything. Uh, yeah, I found myself making ambrosia, which was something that my mom, like I would have never ever been like, we should have ambrosia for dinner, you know, or like as part of our dinner. But uh, the only reason I found myself making it is because she did. And I think that is incredible that you that you get to do that. And I'm sure, 
I'm sure it makes you feel closer to them. I'm sure it makes you feel like they're there. Oh, it does. And and when my in-laws will say, oh, no, let's just do paper plates. (laughs) So, (laughs) not going to do that. (laughs) You can imagine. Yeah. No, you keep setting that table, Mary. I think that's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So I just like, I want to give you a chance to to kind of talk about your, your podcast and your blog. But right before we do that, I just want to see, is there anything that you feel like, I mean, you did get to have those last six months with your mom taking care of her and which is amazing. Is there anything you feel like that was left unsaid or anything that you wish that you could say, or do you feel like it's all tied up and and you are, you know, perfectly happy with the way everything went down? The only thing I would still want to say to her, and this was the theme of my dear mom letter, which people can read on my experience 50 blog is to say, I'm so sorry, mom. I am just so sorry that life turned out the way it did for you, that so many people failed to live up to the lowest bar of expectations that she was entitled to have. And I completely understand why she ended up being an alcoholic. I understand why she couldn't be as loving as I needed her to be. And that I'm so sorry I wasn't mature enough to understand that that was the case, that she did the best that she could. And and I think that is really helpful to anyone who has lost a parent to be able, well, if you've lost a parent where you feel disappointed in them is to be able to forgive them. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think well, I think that's a really good exercise. I don't, I haven't done the, just the one letter. I, that's actually how I journal is because, you know, I tried journaling and I just didn't, I couldn't like vibe with it. But as soon as I started writing letters, my mom was really good at update letters, you know, sending pictures and this is what the kids are up to. So I kind of do the same thing to her, but I get, I do get deeper, you know, when I talk about my fears and, you know, those kind of things. So I, I think it's a, definitely an exercise that everybody should try if they haven't tried it yet. And we're definitely going to link uh, your your blog post on your podcast website to the show notes here. But do you want to just uh, your podcast is phenomenal, and thank you. Um, I'd like to you know it's 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 said it's for middle age, you know, <laughs> it's for people in the middle age. But I think there are so many things in there that that everybody can relate to. So do you want to do you want to just well sure. It, it, I, I started the Experience Fifty podcast for midlife. Two years ago, I guess it was, and I have a, a background in radio, so most people in my hometown know me as Mary in the Morning, and I loved doing radio, and when I became, um, oh, when I turned 50, I was no longer doing radio, but I had two huge um, experiences, which kind of triggered something of a, it wasn't a midlife crisis, but it could have been if I hadn't been self-aware let's say. Mm -hmm. And so I really started looking at what's important in life. And most of that is experiences. And I was hearing from all of these people who were, you know, between 45 and 55, who were just like, whoa, wait a minute, I'm wasting my time on this planet. And so we share our wisdom. And we share our revelations about how to live a better life. 
And so naturally, a lot of younger people are attracted to the podcast because they get to learn from people with more experience, but we're not their parents saying, <laughs> and you helps. should listen to me because I know what I'm talking about. So we, I do have a very large listenership of younger people and they feel like they shouldn't be there. Then I get letters like apologizing. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. We love sharing what we learn. And so it's a, I do a blog, I do a podcast, I do public speaking events, I write opinion columns in publications. And I have found that for me, you know, quality of life is everything. And I learned that from my mother, who always reminded me that, that in every decision that you make, you need to look at the big picture of how will this impact the quality of your life more than money, more than status, more than anything else, just basic quality of life. And so we, I shared this with my listeners. Sometimes it's just solo episodes. Uh, probably half of them now are solo episodes where it's just me. Mm-hmm. And other times I'm interviewing either experts or people who have been through um, some pretty crazy experiences at midlife where they learned a lesson. Mm-hmm. So I invite your listeners to check it out. A hundred percent. I think everybody and all, you know, whether you're in quarter life, midlife, even past that, I think it's something that everybody can, can kind of get on board with. So I hope that people head on over to your podcast and, and have a listen. So Mary, I just want to say thank you so much. I feel like I could talk to you all day. You're just... <laughs> You're so fun to talk to. You know, I feel very connected to you. My dad is actually a radio DJ as well. Oh, really? Yeah. So, well, uh, so it's in your, well, and my, my, my aunt was her, her little title was the first lady of radio in Detroit going way back to like the fifties on good old WJR AM, which was a a big radio station. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's in our blood, you know, you got to live it out. And here I am living my dream just, uh, just with this podcast. So I certainly Well, I'm so glad you're doing this. This is what a wonderful idea. Thank you. Thank you so much. So Mary, I super enjoyed talking to you. I hope you're not a stranger from now on. No, Uh, no, no. I'll be following you for sure. Amazing. And I hope people go check out your podcast experience 50. Well, thank you very much. And I hope everybody who listens to Jesse goes to iTunes and leaves her a review. Because that'll really help the podcast be visible to other people who are searching for new podcasts. Awesome. Hey, thanks for that plug, Mary. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely loved having a chance to talk with Mary about her mom. Mary's incredibly thoughtful insights about always maintaining your relationship with your mother, even after she is gone, are words that will stay with me for a long time. Please check out the Experience 50 podcast. It really is relatable for all ages. A hands-down favorite episode for me is episode 55 called Midlife Pivot, Singing to Seniors. The subject matter is close to my heart and the interview is fun, heartfelt, and will leave you feeling inspired to do what you love. Thank you for listening to the Pearls from My Mom podcast. Please hit that subscribe button, share with your friends, and leave that five-star review on iTunes. If you want to get in touch with me for questions, suggestions, or if you want to tell your own story, my email is share at pearlsfrommymom.com. And check out the website pearlsfrommymom.com 
for show notes and other information related to this podcast. Pearls from My Mom is written, edited, and produced by me, Jessica Hutt, and the goal of Pearls from My Mom is sharing to keep the legacy alive.